Really excited for today's podcast. We have a great show, and I want to let you know that today's presenting sponsor for the Ryan Russell Podcast and the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Getting great car and home insurance from State Farm at a surprisingly great rate. That's like drafting a player that becomes an all-pro, the real deal. State Farm agents provide personalized service so you can customize your insurance to fit your needs like a GM putting together their very own roster. You need a team that supports you, and State Farm's got a great one. In addition to agents, the award-winning mobile app helps manage coverage, pay bills, file claims, and more with a great price and even greater service. State Farm goes from strength to strength. Choose insurance that always brings its A-game when you want the real deal. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Okay, you loves Bacardi Spice Rum. I know Kyle does, right? Yep, you know Yep, yep. All right, Bacardi. This episode is also brought to you by Bacardi Spiced Rum. Looking to spice up your game day plans? Check out Bacardi Spiced Rum for a new take on your favorite old classics. Um, You know, a dark and stormy is never a bad idea. Whether you're on a sloop, schooner, or just your back deck. Bacardi, do what moves you. Drink responsibly. Bacardi USA, Coral Gables, Florida. Rum with a natural flavors and spices. 35% alcohol by volume. And, of course, I've been looking forward to this one. You've been looking forward to this one. Subway. It's footlong season at Subway, and that means making good calls all season long, starting with your game day order. Because take it from me when I say that eating too much, I almost went for it last night. I almost went for the bad food. I was excited to do it. And then I didn't do it. But anyway, um, it just can be a bad call because I knew today I had a really exciting workout. I can't wait to tell you guys about it on Instagram, personal records left and right. But uh, yeah, I just went with, I just didn't do it. So you know what? It was one of those moments where I went, whoops, I know how I'm going to feel. So I didn't do it that time. But this week, I'm going to make good calls, and why don't you make a good call like the Black Forest Ham Sandwich from Subway? Uh, yes, please. Sign me up for that deliciousness. <laughs> Another good call is ordering and paying contact-free in the Subway app for quick pickup or delivery. It's easy. Just tap, 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 boom, delicious footlong. Okay, let's get on with the show. What is the show today? Kevin Clark from The Ringer. He had a great sit-down with Jeff Fisher. Probably not going to spend a ton of time on that part. But we're just going to talk NFL, get his Super Bowl picks as well. And uh, a really interesting piece from one GM on something that is going to change the way he drafts because of everything that's going on. And Bobby Marks, former front office guy, cap guru, also with ESPN. Um, I wanted to ask him straight up all the different money options for Giannis and then kind of the unwritten rules about how you handle calling the Bucks GM, John Horst, about Giannis. Because do you have to call or not? Bobby knows this well. He was in front of us for a long time. So that's what we're going to do. And we'll do a couple of life advices at the end. But I want to start with game six, Rap Celts. Double overtime win for the Raptors and a really competitive, gritty game. All of those things. It also had moments that I didn't necessarily love. We're going to get to those in a little bit. But this is what this series should be. When Boston was basically an inbounds away from being up 3-0, that felt a little crazy. I would tell you now through the course of the series, that I feel like Boston's a better basketball team. It feels like when they get their looks going on offense, it's it's better. But then there's game six where Tatum was, I, I know he's 9 of 21 for 29 points. He had some really bad possessions. Jalen Brown, despite hitting threes early on, he was 11 for 30. 
And remember, Kemba had nine shots in the previous game saying that's unacceptable. He was two for 11. Kemba's second field goal was so late in this game. I think it was in an overtime. He ended up with five points. So uh, the starters, for the most part, and Smart got it going from three early on. He's six of 11. Um, you thought Boston may close this thing out, but I feel like a game seven is a better example, a better way of of really representing where these two teams are at, even though going into it, I thought without Hayward, Boston would struggle a little bit. I think that's been part of the issue for them um, in having to play smart more and more minutes, but smart's so good defensively, we get it. Uh, but there we go, game seven. We have a game seven. I'm going to do one more Lowry thing, and then I think I'm retiring this whole thing. He wasn't very good in the playoffs earlier in his career. That's not debatable. You can go back and look at box scores. Man, you're going to find some games that he was actually pretty good in. It doesn't mean every single game. When I say somebody wasn't good in the playoffs, it doesn't mean that I think they were terrible in every single game. And then you go back to last year, game one against the Orlando Magic, when that NBA championship team lost game one of the Magic, and you're like, what the hell's going on here? Lowry had zero points in it. So, yes, to go, up oh, here we go again. Lowry, like, where are we at in the playoffs? I think with what he did in game six, the NBA finals was so impressive. And then again, last night, like, he's had better games. He's a guy I trust more. He's the best player on the Raptors. It's not Pascal Siakam, and we should stop talking about Siakam because he's been an absolute mess in this whole thing. But Lowry is better now than he was before. Both of those are true. I respect Lowry's game. He's not a top 10. I don't even know if he's a top 20 player. But for all the people that come after me on this, and usually it's people with Canadian flags in their bios, uh, you think that there's this thing that's happening where Canadian players uh, that represent Canada, not necessarily from Canada because you know he's a Philly guy, Okay, fine. You think we're ripping him because it's Canada? So does that mean that we never rip any players that are American? I mean, give me a break with this stuff. So uh, I'll say it one more time. Lowry, I respect. I respect his toughness. He was the man. He's the reason this series is going to a Game 7, despite not great numbers before. Yes, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, and I don't think anyone would ever bring it up if it weren't for a ring that Kawhi won for him last year. That's okay, but guess what? He's going to get in, so that's fine because the recency bias somehow erases all the stuff that happens before. You can have bad bad playoff resume and then it just kind of disappears if James Harden were to somehow have this miraculous game where he eliminates the Lakers in game seven and puts up huge numbers then the public is just going to react to that and be like well people said he didn't do this be like, well because he didn't do this I don't understand why this is so complicated for people and separate from that yes I think it's gross to watch Lowry play the entire game despite the respect that I have for him and the fact that he's changed who he is in the playoffs I just don't like it I don't like watching guys fall down the whole time I don't like watching guys complain the whole time I also don't like watching Marcus Smart do it he just doesn't have the ball as much. Um, Lowry's play on Jalen Brown earlier that I tweeted out a video of was so filthy and dirty and gross. It sucks. It sucks that you would want to do that to another player in the league for no other reason than just frustration, unless there's some beef between he and Jalen Brown that I understand. I don't think there is because they didn't pat it out a little bit later, but Jalen was up in the air. He took his legs out from underneath him. He knew exactly what he was doing. And, you know, that's the thing you could be thrown out for, but they don't even review that stuff. And we review these in um, these, these accidental elbows that happen all the time. And that's not because I grew up in the Massachusetts area. It's just because I watch probably more basketball than most people you know. And guys that do this to another level, as much flopping as there is, and there's a ton, when I think somebody's doing it at another level, I know I probably watch more than you have. And I can't stand it. And some of these refs that fall for this stuff, these guys would buy phone cards from Michael Scott. They would. Um, it just, you know, when it, and this is a, to Lowry's credit, when it's, that time of the game where he needs things to change or the smart players that make sure they get fouled to get into the bonus late and then get fouled again because they're in the bonus. There's a play in the blowout game at game five. I think it's towards the end of the first half where you knew what he was going to do. He dribbled into Tyson the baseline and just fell down. 
and the ref fell for it. And you're like, I knew he was about to do this, and you guys do it all the time in the moment, and that's the stuff I can't stand. And plenty of players do it. I just don't think anybody does it as much as Kyle Lowry. So that is my position. I'm not revisiting this anymore because I actually do think he's a really good player, and I would love having him on my team now because I think he's that kind of competitor. I just wouldn't love watching it all the time. All right, there you go. Boom. Um, coach of the year, Nick Nurse. Love Nick Nurse. However, the Siakam thing, at the end of regulation, it was the second-to-last possession, so not the prayer with like a second left where Siakam had to throw it up in the air. He went ISO Siakam against Jalen again and actually wasn't too bad of a look. I just can't believe you would trust Siakam. So every time Toronto wants to try to get Siakam going, for the most part, you're doing Boston a favor. And then he went Norman Powell at the end of the overtime for that ISO dribble step back, and Lowry wasn't even engaged in the play to almost, I don't know what was going on there where it was like, okay, well, I, we already know Powell's taking the shot, so I don't need to do anything. But Lowry just kind of stepped off to the left side, and I don't know if that was frustration there. But these are two really good teams. I don't know if they're great. It still feels weird that either of one of these could win an NBA title. And despite Miami just thrashing the Milwaukee Bucks, I think all three of these teams are still very much alive here for the East. One last thing, Denver and the Clippers. This is not surprising. None of us think it's surprising. You know what I did think was interesting, though? Michael Porter Jr. saying afterwards, he's getting crushed for this, about they're going to Jokic and Murray a little bit too much. I'm paraphrasing. Essentially, he's like, hey, I think we need to get other players involved. Not a big deal. This is the first time someone complaining about their job or their workplace was not supported on social media. He's getting crushed. And that's because of a carryover, some other things he said. You know what's funny here? And I don't know. I know people don't want to defend Michael Porter Jr. right now. I don't think he's wrong. I think they are really predictable. And when Jamal Murray's hitting nine of 13 threes against Utah Jazz off the two-man game, it looks really, really good, doesn't it? But when he's not, and he's regressing back to Jamal Murray that we know um, is, is somebody that exists in other games, and the defense is a little tougher and all those deals, uh, that two-man game does become really predictable. And those are times where I haven't always loved the Nuggets because I think they they can be that predictable. And one last thing, too, like Jeremy Grant. Somebody was texting me the other day, like, you know who I kind of like is Jeremy Grant. I'm like, just keep watching. He's 26. He's he's headed to the Jeff Green support council room here pretty soon. He was 2 of 7 last night, uh, 1 of 6 from 3. And he had zero rebounds in 34 minutes. Jeremy Grant playing 34 minutes for the Nuggets in a must-win playoff game, two of seven, one of six from three, zero rebounds. Zero rebounds. That's hard to do. Can you imagine being 6'8", running around for 35 minutes and not getting one ball? And from three in this series, one of six, one of six, 05, three of six. I think he's eight for 28 overall from the floor. And it's really great when Jeremy Grant hits some shots like he did in game six against the Utah Jazz. Um, he scored three points in game seven. So Denver, every time they win, depth, 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 depth. Actually, they're not that deep. You just know who the players are. They aren't. And the Clippers' second unit hasn't been good at all. They've changed some things up on the substitution. That's where Denver should be making their money, but they can't because they're not as deep as everybody always keeps saying about them. All right, let's talk some football, and uh, we'll do some hoops at the end. Hey, guys, footlong season is at Subway. They make it easy to make a good call on food. So here's a little segment called Bad Call, Good Call, where we'll look at some of the good and bad plays from last week. Here it is. All right. Uh, I thought a bad call would be, yeah, Pascal Siakam, ISO, to win the game. Bad call. Good call. I thought it was a good no call on that Kemba drive. See what I did there? I didn't defend the Boston player. Um, I just didn't think Kemba got fouled. I think he just fell down. He's having a rough night. Um, another bad call from last week would be... What would be a bad call? You make any bad calls this week, Kyle? 
You're just a bad decision walking around in sneakers. The chicken chicken wing over order. Oh. Okay, so here's perfect, perfect segue right now. So this week, why not make a good call instead? All right? Don't do the over order. Don't do all the fried stuff. A sweet onion chicken teriyaki sandwich from Subway. Another good call, getting a free foot long when you buy two at participating Subway restaurants. All right, guys, let's make some good calls this week. Order and pay contact free in the Subway app for quick and easy pickup or delivery on game day or any day. It's foot long season at Subway. Eat fresh, freshly prepared in front of you. Kevin Clark, ringer, NFL writer. I was excited to have Kevin Clark on. I didn't know how excited I was until I saw what he was going to look like today after the slow news day with Jeff Fisher, which I think we want to get to at some point. You're about a month away from joining Franz Ferdinand here with this look, <laughs> with what you got going on today. Uh, I'm, I'm growing some scruff underneath the mustache. Um, I felt I'd gotten a little feedback on the initial mustache look that had me a little too close to Val Kilmer and Tombstone. And now we're just pressing pause. What's on wrong that. with that? I yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just kind of throwing different looks out there and seeing what sticks. I mean, it's preseason for everybody. And so I'm going to I'm going to have some scruff under the mustache. See how that goes for a little bit. If not, I'm OK. Listen, if the baseline, if the baseline is Val Kilmer and Tombstone, we're doing OK. That's all I'll say about that. A lot of guys have been trying to achieve that for years. But, yeah, you have kind of uh, with the, I don't know if it's the shirt and the hair today, but it's a bit of a killer's look like maybe the killers. If you were in a band, the killers may show up and go, this guy, this guy's a little too much. What's he trying to do? It's about the music, buddy. OK, let's talk about the football. <laughs> Uh, your slow news day, which I encourage everybody to watch. It's one of the best uh, things that we do here at the ringer. Oh, thank you. It's a great point. And it's a great point when the point is that there is no point. And the expectations of what this NFL season is going to look like to suggest that anybody knows, like I have a couple of theories, but what kind of feedback are you getting back from the people that you trust that actually do this for a living in this league? The folks I talk to have either wildly different expectations for the season or just don't say anything, right? The Socratic wisdom thing, right? Like, I don't know anything. That's my knowledge, right? And that's what a lot of the smartest people are saying. There, there are some nuances there. I think everyone is universally worried about like special teams tackling, stuff like that, little small things. But from a big picture standpoint, I don't think anyone really knows because they haven't even seen anybody. I mean, they've been looking at the same defense and the same offense for a month now, and they haven't seen anybody else. And I think there's a real sense of unease, and I think that that probably hasn't been stated publicly a lot by coaches and GMs, but I really do think they're worried. You know, Kevin Colbert, the the Steelers GM, told me last week, he said, we've got young guys who've never seen the speed of an NFL game, and they're going to have to find out what the speed is like on Monday night football in front of 20 million people. And there's something to that. And there's some real like, uh-oh, like what, what if we throw out the, you know, the rookie slot receiver and he doesn't really know what this game is about and he's got to find out with, with Steve Levy and, and Lewis Riddick looking on, man. I mean, I, I think that there's, there's a lot more questions and answers at this point. I think that there's a lot of people who are seeking comfort in the 2011 season um, because obviously there was no off-season activities, but there were preseason games. Uh, there was just a little more... I guess you could say activity in the month of of August because the padded practices were throughout the month and all that. So I think that there's, I don't know, a sense of, of, I guess the word is unease. I wouldn't say panic, although some coaches default to panic, but I would say that there's a lot of worry. You know, I think that NFL people are warriors in general. I remember Tom Pelissero was in my podcast a couple months ago, and he said that when the pandemic set in, there were GMs who were getting upset because they couldn't set their draft schedule for 
April 2021. Like these are just micromanagers who want everything dialed down to the second. They don't get to do that right now. They've lost control. And I think that's probably maybe a good experiment for some of these control freaks. And I'm excited <laughs> to see what how that kind of plays out because these guys are not used to uncertainty at all. And when I think about basketball relaunching, like, okay, well, what's it going to look like? It actually, the product looks way better. And guess what? It just kind of defaults to basketball. It looks like yeah. basketball again. Uh, baseball, despite them not having a bubble approach. And this is something that I, I just find personally frustrating where I feel like people would rather you not try than anything. Um, where it's like, well, that's not going to work. Look at the Marlins. Okay, the Marlins had games postponed. Okay, the Cardinals had some games postponed. They lost some games. They did double headers. It looks like we're going to get to 60 games here and have expanded yeah. playoffs. Like It looks like it's going to work. Was it an A-plus? No. But if it's in the high Bs, like what the hell is the problem? And it, it feels like there's this resistance. Like, oh, a bunch of guys tested positive. This whole thing's a mess. And I had people constantly telling me, oh, baseball, 50-50 shot, maybe less than 50-50. They even pull it off. But with football, as far as the play, like I just imagine like the other two, it's going to default to football. That I could sit here and say our rookie is going to be better because there is no crowd noise. Well, that's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. Our offensive line's not going to be able to pass protect as well or run block. Like run blocking is easily conceptually than pass blocking. So does that mean that more teams are going to try to no, they're probably just going to pass the football all over the place. The only thing I feel like I can say is is probably true is that the quarterbacks that have good relationships with the receivers are going to yeah. look nasty the first few weeks of the season. That that feels like an actual real thing that could happen. But then again, it was that did was Pat Mahomes not going to look nasty right. in normal right. settings in 2020? So I I feel like for all of the stuff that is interesting and worth talking about it just eventually kind of defaults to, hey, this player is playing well because he's pretty good, and this guy isn't playing as well because he's just not that good and it doesn't have anything to do with the atmosphere and everything else going on. Yeah, I, that was the funny thing to me when I was thinking about the season and talking to people, kind of like what you said. And it's like, oh, there's not going to be some, there's not going to be good tackling. And so guys like <laughs> Lamar Jackson are going to run wild. Oh, I'm sorry. Was what was Lamar Jackson doing last year? He was so you're spinning saying he's gonna be guys to around. That'd be a good oh, tweet. Talk to yeah. a source. You know what I'd love from you for the rest of the week? Just bad source stuff. Like when a team takes a guy in the third <laughs> round and then this summer, people are like, <laughs> You know what? They're like Tennessee like this running back at a yeah. at a at a Hobart, but man, do they really like him once they've had him in K they just drafted him. Obviously, there was some interest in this guy. So I would like if you did sourced out like talk to an NFL advanced guy. He says Lamar's gonna be a problem. Yeah. This is this is gonna be the year of the quarterback. <laughs> Every single guy who has a pulse has a hundred rating now. But I can see a lot of I can see a lot of PI calls. Guys, just corners yeah. just playing it wrong. Or get, there's going to be some some coaches who just aren't ready. Like that's <laughs> it's every single year. Every single year we get the same storylines. We'll just get, I mean listen, and there will be certain things. I mean, like Freddie Kitchens was an NFL head coach last year. He made yep. massive mistakes. If Freddie Kitchens were a coach in 2020 and was making these sort of mistakes, every time he did it, it would be, well, you know, short off season. I mean, just a tough time to establish a culture. Well, no, he was Freddie Kitchens. Like, that was the problem. But yet, we're going to ascribe things to the COVID offseason that probably don't belong to the COVID offseason. Absolutely. And I said it for the draft, because the draft, when somebody has an absolute flame out on their first rounder, there will be somebody who writes a story that says, oh, you know, guys around the... Guys around the facility said he just didn't just the, the, the lead up to the draft. There was a lot going on there. That's why we yeah. missed with the 12th pick. Um, okay. Give me, give me some Brady stuff 
only because I feel like every time I read a piece, I love this number. There's only been seven games started in NFL history by a quarterback 43 years yeah. or older. So he's going to try to double that one up here in his first season. I look at some accuracy numbers that have him in the 30s at like 38 qualifying quarterbacks. Then it gets back to the weapons. Is there any party that you go, the end was already happening and it's going to be even worse in Tampa for Brady? Is that, do you allow yourself that thought? Everybody I talked to just destroys his skill guys last year and kind of separates that from whatever dip in production Tom Brady had. I, I do. I think it's funny, like you do, that no one has been this old playing quarterback. So every time he throws a pass, he's just breaking a Vinny Testaverde record from like 2006. Like, oh, he just passes Vinny Testaverde. Didn't he pass Vinny Testaverde in something else last week? What the hell? Um, as far as oldest quarterback. So George Blanda is obviously in the mix there. But I think that I, I, I am actually, the more I come around, or the more I look into this Brady thing, the more I come around to it. And the more that for the first time in a couple of years, he will have weapons that accentuate him. I had some of the PFF guys on. They said that you know the Patriots skill guys may have been the, the worst equipped to, to make Brady better last year. Um, and that team just wasn't built for him. And now I look at Tampa Bay, He's going to have safety valves. He's going to have guys who just, just, I mean, they get open. And I don't really think that there's much more. Um, it's much more complicated than that. And I, I, you know, there certainly are questions about Arians and and kind of the hits that a quarterback might take. Uh, you know, we saw that with Carson Palmer when he was in an advanced age. But I think that there, I, I think there's a lot of optimism. And I think that from the more. I think about it the more in March and April I was just picking the Bucks to make the playoffs because I didn't want to count out Tom Brady and now I'm picking them to make the playoffs and compete because I think they're a legitimately good team with a very good roster. Okay, last year when I was sorting through the NFC I was like this is unbelievable how deep this is. The AFC felt a little predictable um because we still all like the Chiefs and you still have a lot of benefit of the doubt stuff with the Patriots which ended up being, you know, accurate assessments of that league but or excuse me conference uh, the nfc this year i don't know that it's the de there were there was depth where i feel like at nine team nine i'm like i could actually see that team winning a game yes. in the playoffs um is it still that way to you a year later yes i i just don't because i think about the afc as the chiefs and the ravens are going to play on january 27th or whatever the afc championship game is and that's settled in my opinion but the NFC, I don't know. Are the Vikings are the Vikings contenders to play in the NFC Championship game? Yeah. Are the Eagles? I had the Eagles last week. I started our prediction show thinking that maybe I'd pick them to go to the Super Bowl. And by the end of the show, I had them out of the playoffs. Okay? And so that's just sort of how it goes in the NFC right now. Seattle and San Francisco, and I think we've kind of memory hold how close Seattle was to, to winning the division last year because San Francisco looked so good in the playoffs. But there's a depth in the NFC that I think is really intriguing. When, the, when no one, no one except the Rams is hyping up the Rams, that's pretty significant because they still do have talent. And they signed Jalen Ramsey to the biggest defensive back contract in history yesterday. And Sean McVay is still a really good coach. I mean, I, I like the Rams is a good one that like yeah. stay on the Rams for a second though, because as quick as we fell in love, we were even quicker to just turn the page yes. on them. And yes. now it feels like, Oh wait, instead of a three-year run, Oh no, this team's a huge disappointment. 
I, I don't know. I, there's there's plenty of stuff out there, and I don't know who we had on before. I forget who it was, but it was like don't don't rule out golf on having like another good year. Um, I actually think it was Danny Kelly when we were doing fantasy. Yeah. I, yes. I'm not 100 sure. Um, there's a lot of podcasts going on here, but give me more on the Rams. Peter Schrager, who did a hard knocks pod with them and, and interviewed different people from the organization every week, was on my pod last week and said that they their expectation is Super Bowl. And they're not recalibrating it. McVay made remade the coaching staff in his own image. He came in and had, you know, your Wade Phillipses, and obviously everybody loves Wade, he's a great defensive uh, coordinator, but he hires a new OC and a DC. Maybe he's a little more comfortable. Um, Goff, I think, is still capable. You know, in the same way Jimmy Garoppolo with Kyle Shanahan can be a great quarterback, Goff with McVay can be a great quarterback. I don't know in a vacuum how that works, but I do know that Jared Goff is, uh, we, we've seen it. I think the running game can be a little more stable. And I think that we've had this problem now where because the running back doesn't matter generally, we now dismiss it in every situation. The Rams really relied on, on, on a type of running game. And they need that this year. And not having Todd Gurley is probably addition by subtraction in that regard. So, listen, it, the offensive line is where it started last year. And everything flowed through that. And obviously, the, the Gurley problems or whatever. But if they can get steady offensive line play, if they can get just, just the principles they had in 2018, I, I think that they're definitely in the mix for, for double-digit wins. But again, the problem is that everything they do, San Francisco does better. Seattle's probably a more talented team. And then in the wild card mix, you just have a lot of good teams. So I, I think it's a bad year to be a fringe NFC contender, and they are that. Let's stay with the Seahawks then. Uh, I brought this up with Long this week, and when I was looking at the Jamal Adams stuff, I was surprised to kind of be reminded. Maybe I knew it in the moment, but this is a long run now of Seattle being pretty average as a pass defense, which is just something. It's almost like the Steelers for years yeah. because they were so good defensively, and then all of a sudden they were just chucking the football everywhere and giving up <laughs> points, and people were like, you know, come late in the season, the Steelers could just lock you down. You're like, actually, it's an offensive team. But because their brand wasn't yeah. that. And I think the same thing has happened with the Seahawks a little bit. But what is funny is to see this almost national momentum. Uh, people have written about it. Cowherd's been doing it now lately, too, where it's unleash Russell Wilson. Uh, yeah. How realistic is this for, again, it's still Pete Carroll. So I have a hard time believing that they're just opening it up on first down, despite how great Wilson is. Would you imagine you followed college football for a long time? You followed the NFL, obviously. Pete Carroll has now inexplicably become underrated in the last two years because he's been painted. I am a huge let Russ cook guy. Huge. Okay. And that, that's the phrase, the hashtag that everybody uses for, for Russell Wilson and you know letting him open it up and, and treat the first quarter like the fourth quarter, all that stuff. But I kind of feel like we're painting Pete Carroll as like the new Jeff Fisher. And I just, I, I don't, I think that there's, there's a solid middle ground there. I agree with you uh, about the, the defense and kind of the identity of that team. Um, the Seahawks were 24th last year in net, uh, net yards per attempt. Uh, Jamal Adams hopefully will help that, but this is a team that Russell Wilson has to just, just, he just has to put the team on his back and it's a different identity. I think, you know, I, I've always compared Russell Wilson to, to Dave Grohl. Uh, in the sense that he was just playing a completely different role in Nirvana and with the Legion of Boom. And then one day he just became the absolute star 
and everyone just has to adjust to that. And I think that Russell Wilson is the third best quarterback in the NFL. And I think that they they do they do I will concede handicap him and hamstring him hamstring him in the first quarter and they need to just get more aggressive on early downs in the first quarter um, but I I don't think there's going to be a huge philosophy change because Pete Carroll is Pete Carroll Brian Schottenheimer is Brian Schottenheimer who's taking his orders from Pete Carroll and so I. I think this team will be kind of what it was last year, kind of double digit win teams. Maybe they're in the, in the hunt for, you know, in week 17 for the division, like they were last year. Um, I just, I think, I think that they're just not as good as, as the Niners. And I think it's as simple as that. I think that the, the roster talent, there, there's a, a, a pretty sizable difference in my opinion. And then the offensive coaching, um, it's not even a contest. So I think the Seahawks are an intriguing NFC contender. I think they'll make the playoffs, but I just don't have them on the elite of the elite. Okay, that's a good transition there to the Niners. More with Kevin Clark, including a Super Bowl pick. But first, by now, you've probably heard about FanDuel Sportsbook, world-class sports betting app. FanDuel makes it easy to find and place your bets. They've got some of the best odds you'll find anywhere, and they're even going to get you your winnings in as little as 24 hours. You know the deal, right? You're just seeing the lines. There's clarity. Days leading up. You're like, I already know what my play is. I'm just time traveling over here. You put it in, boom, free money. You knew it was right the whole time. And then you're getting paid 24 hours later. It's a nice feeling. There's a lot of reasons to try FanDuel Sportsbook, but here's one more. Right now, this is crazy when I first read it. New users can place their first bet on FanDuel Sportsbook risk-free and get up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win. Uh, I would let it fly on Cincinnati. Plus 290 on the money line there against Cleveland. Um, and I'm not, that's not an anti-anything. That's just... Midwest, Hardy, Rust Belt, let's go. So there you go. High, if I, I'm I'm being asked to, to take a swing at a high upside bet. So I'm assuming risk-free, high upside, money line around 300 plus. Let's go ahead and put it on Cincinnati. If you're ready to claim your risk-free bet, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. So just do that. Go get the app. Do, do, do the right guy a favor here, all right? Put the FanDuel app on the phone. And do a free bet and use the promo code Ryan, R-Y-E-N, so they know that I sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code Ryan. These are the reasons these podcasts exist. So, again, I appreciate you doing that. Must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, or Colorado. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in West Virginia. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Or in Colorado, call 1-800-522-4700. Jimmy Garoppolo, um, by the way, has started... You want to take a guess at this? You'll probably get it. Do you want to guess how many games Jimmy Garoppolo started in his career? 16 last year. Two the year before. 18 plus three and six. 27. 26. Wow. Oh. That was impressive. You just did that. Well, no, you just did it. Six, he went six he had three and starts oh. two years ago. Three, three, three starts with the Patriots. Three starts. No, 16 last six, year. Th- Three yeah. in so, 2018. So you said two. That, that's where that's where I screwed it up. Okay, three. Yeah. He got hurt in his third game. He went six and zero the year before, and then he played three games with the Patriots when he was the the Deflategate starter. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. I have have been. I don't know. I feel like I've been right about this one because I watched <laughs> the Pats games. 
I know me shocker guy with a podcast thinks he's right, <laughs> but I, I feel like, I feel like the Niners tell us who he is. Now the question is, yeah. do the Niners continue to think he's the same guy or do they do something where they actually do know he's the same guy, but they try to prove that he isn't because teams will do that sometimes. They'll be like, Hey, everybody's saying how we don't trust our quarterback. Well, cause we don't. Yeah. But let's trust him a little bit more. Okay. Why? So that everybody's wrong about because they're right. And we're right. They're right. And this is somebody that I don't think they think can win them games, even though they had an amazing, amazing run. And I know that his starting record now is 21 and five. And I think he's kind of eh. So let me ask you this. Through 2022, he has a cap hit of 26.6 this year, 26.9 next year, 27 in 2022. Well, that's because they paid him a billion dollars the first year. That's right. That's right. But uh, do you think he made $41 million in 2018 <laughs> in cash? $41 million for a guy who at that point had started uh, nine games, right? Yeah. Uh, it's good yep. work if you can get it. Uh, do you think he's the starter in 2022? No. No, I don't. I don't. Do you, do you, okay. No, I, I, I am not against that. I think Kyle Shanahan, the, the book I've heard, I don't know Kyle Shanahan that well. The book I've heard on Kyle Shanahan is that he kind of thinks he can do it with anybody. And he has. I mean, when you look at some of the production with some of the, you know, the, the CJ Beathard, Nick Mullen year, I mean, that, that was, they, they punched well above their weight offensively. Um, CJ's just, though, he's prepared down. every week. You could just see he hot reads. <laughs> But I think that they he's he's done it well. I mean that the miracles he worked in Cleveland now just retroactively look much much more amazing. And letting him out the door is one of the strangest decisions Cleveland's made. Um, even though he wanted to go, I, I love that. By the way, every time I point that out, Browns fans are like, "Well, he wanted to go." Well, okay, like what? Did that makes it better that you drove him out of town? Uh, anyway. Yeah, so I think... Browns rant over. Oh, oh, excuse me. Oh, wow, you uh, you were such an incompetent franchise that he wanted to leave, so that makes it better that, that the best play... One of the two best player callers in football just wanted, just got out of town. It got out of his contract. It was out of his contract. Anyway, that's, right. that's neither here nor there. The Browns are in a better place now. Okay, so with Garoppolo, I've always... And I don't know this. I think that the contract structure saved them in so much that $27 million in 2022 is not the worst cap hit in the world. But, and I also think that if you're Jimmy Garoppolo and they keep winning, doesn't there get to be, and I've heard this argument from teams that have paid average to above average starters this kind of money. I have not heard it from the Niners. But I've heard it from GMs or, or coaches who say, you know what, maybe this guy is worth $25 million, but you know what, I, I don't want to find out. I don't want to pay to find out. I don't want to pay yeah. the tax to find out because there are so many, this all goes back to something remember we were talking about with the Falcons where they signed Matt Ryan to $30 million a year. Now, obviously Matt Ryan is, is much better than Jimmy Garoppolo, but I remember Dimitrov saying, you know, we could have shaved that money down and gotten him under 30 just for the statement. But at some point it becomes why, because having a franchise quarterback or having a quarterback, you know, is set or, you know what you're getting, it, it makes a difference in the building. Like it, everything, people's shoulders slump in the building when you don't have a quarterback because it's the problem you're trying to solve. And so I, I, I'm kind of two minds on a somebody like Garoppolo where, okay, if someone better comes along, yes. To, you know, if Tom Brady wanted to go to the Niners in the offseason, yes. At 45? 
Oh, at 40, you mean now? Oh, no, no, I meant, I meant retroactively. <laughs> I meant this year. <laughs> then, yes, you take him. But unless the, I'm not going to draft some guy in the second round and try to figure it out. Are you? No, this is, as I say, I don't think he's going to be the quarterback. My rule immediately. It's the same thing as a trade in the NBA. We're like, well, you got to trade him. Be like, you got to tell me what's available. You got to give me a ballpark because I can't just be a GM and be like, hey, guys, this team sucks. Let's start trading dudes. Like, okay, do we care? We get nope, we're just making trades. People want change. Let's do it. So, yes, at that number with the cap going in the other direction in the mid 20s for starting quarterback, you could argue, oh my gosh, this is an incredible value. Now, again, we'd have to figure out what the long term economic ramifications will be from everything that's happening this season in all the sports. But by the way, for everybody that keeps writing those articles in all sports about how the pandemic is going to affect spending, when? Because it's not happening right now. It didn't happen Nobody when people cares. were trying to say Mookie Betts was going to be a $100 million player. Wrong. All the basketball guys are going to get maxed out that probably don't deserve to get maxed out, but they get maxed out because that's the market. And football between Deshaun Watson and not even Watson, but the Rams who love spending money more than anybody with Jalen Ramsey, that's a massive deal for Jalen Ramsey. And there's nobody that is scared off of this. So just remember next time a CBA is being negotiated and the owners go back and point to this time and say, we lost all this money. We did. Well, you didn't spend like it. You didn't spend like it. So that's why I usually always take the player's side. All right. Well, that everybody, rant is over. I, I want to add to it. on that rant. Yeah, I want to yeah. jump on that rant. The, I think that, and this goes back to kind of everything about the pandemic offseason and, and draft and free agency or, or whatever you, going forward. GMs are just taking the knowns and are not worrying about the unknowns to actually a degree I've been shocked by. And what I mean by that, as far as roster construction, and what I mean by that is they're saying, okay, the cap is $175 million next year. Now, that's $20 million less than it is this year. That's the minimum it can be. But when I talk to guys, they're saying, all right, we're planning for 175 and whatever happens, happens. And we know how you can move money around. It's going to be fine. Is the middle class going to be squeezed out? Probably. If you're making $9 million to be a pretty replaceable linebacker is your job at stake. Yeah. But guess what? Your job was already at stake because yeah. you were a $9 million guy who's not very good. Okay. So I think that there's, I think teams are going with the knowns and this goes to the draft too. Every time when I've been talking to guys the last couple of weeks and I've said, Hey, what are you going to do? I keep bringing up Joe Burrow because Burrow this time last year was just not anything. He, he you know, maybe he was draftable, but he was certainly not the first overall pick. He was not, a, he's not an elite prospect. And so, you know, what if, what if the Joe Burrow of 2020 didn't actually play this year? And it's an interesting thought experiment. I thought I'd get better answers. Uh, most GMs have said, I, I don't care. Like they don't, the, 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 I guess you could say the, all of the thought processes that would go into finding that, okay, what are you going to have tryouts that are going to be five times as big to see if there's a quarterback who got better, whatever. Like, I just don't, I think that they're going to say there's going to be tape from 2019 and 2020. We're going to watch it and we're going to see what happens, but we're not going to change the entire approach because there might be a guy that slipped through the cracks. And I've been a little bit surprised by that player, you know, Kevin Colbert, and this is completely separate. Kevin Colbert, the, the Steelers GM, said to me that that if two prospects are close, he's going to take the guy that played in 2020. Uh, these guys don't like uncertainty. And so I think that acquiring the most knowns you can possibly have is is the key in this next year for, for people that run teams. And I would say with spending, with spending, 
teams are just going to spend as if they have $175 million to spend and anything else is a bonus. By the way, that's a really big nugget there. Colbert told you that straight up. Like he's, if there's, if it's close for the 2021 draft, they're taking the guy that played this year. That's correct. Yeah. He said, and I asked him for clarification. He said, no doubt that, that if there, if there's two guys who are uh, equal or close to equal in talent, he wants to be with the guy. He wants to go with the guy who played football most recently. And he expanded on that and said, basically that, they they have to have the most info they can possibly have. And they're going to go, if if they think that info is a problem or that they think that, you know, they're going to draft a guy who their very selection is giving them the information they, they don't need uh, or not enough information, then I think that they they feel uncomfortable with that. That was in the story. Um, it ran this week on, on The Ringer. And I think that he's not the only guy that feels that way. These guys want certainty. And when they have it, they will do everything they they can to uh, take advantage of it. That's that's really. I just love the NBA GM listening to that and be like, "What? You want it? You want to see him play? That's weird." Well, I think uh, there's 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 different there's levels. There's of huge it. differences, by there, the way. Well, no, are, but also like so, Quincy Avery. You've had uh, you've had him on your friend podcast. of the pod, yeah. friend of the pod, friend of of some of my articles um, that I've quoted him in over the past year. You know, I talked to him the day the Big Ten was postponed, and he said, "Listen, starting in late September, he's going to start getting guys in different areas in Florida and in Georgia, I think in Texas, and then maybe in California. Um, I don't remember the actual geographic schedule, but he's going to get guys together, and they're going to start playing seven on seven type games for." to get ready and then eventually show NFL scouts. And if you play for Purdue and you're a wide receiver, that's going to be your best bet. Um, but I think unless you can transfer immediately or whatever, I don't even understand the rules of that or whenever the big 10 would play, but I think there's going to be different levels. If a guy just didn't play football in 2020 versus did he go to one of these camps or did he go to an all-star game to show he was in shape? I think that there are probably once we get around to April, there will be more nuances than we anticipate right now. Okay, did a guy not play because he played? He you know, was the backup tackle in Minnesota, but he actually went to a elongated Senior Bowl and looked pretty good, right? I mean, that that's I think those are the nuances that that will, that will pop up in the next six months. Dallas, a lot of people picking him to play in the Super Bowl. Um, I, I'm not going to do the well. Everybody's picking him, so I I don't know. I can't figure out the NFC. Like everybody, I just have a hard time. Like I think the Chiefs will be even better this year. I just, I just do. Does that mean they get to the Super Bowl? Nope. But I'm not picking anybody against them. The NFC, I've had a much harder time with, as we alluded to before. Give me your Dallas take, and then give me your Super Bowl winners or Super Bowl participants. Yeah. So my Dallas take is they win the division. That was something that I didn't want to do because I'm betting against everybody who's doing something new this year. Everybody. I'm just throwing it out and saying it's not possible. But then I start to look at the Eagles, who I love as a roster and as an organization, as a coaching staff, as a front office. They lose Brandon Brooks, who Pro Football Focus had as like the fifth best player in football last year. And that was one of those things they lost him, you know, a couple of months ago. And and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't. I remember complaining to someone. I said, you know, no one's really talking about this Brandon Brooks thing. It's like, yeah, dude, there's a lot going on in the world. No one's going to care about Brandon Brooks. Okay. But that was a huge, huge injury. And you feel for him. Then they lose Andre Dillard, who Schefter said was being dominant in camp. And by the way, I just quick rant real quick. And this is, this is not about Schefter. Every time a player gets hurt now because it's behind closed doors, it's just this, this guy was just, it was ready for a career year. He was just dying, unstoppable in camp. That was doing the stuff you've never seen too. before. 
Yeah. Unblockable. Um, Von Miller, I actually believe. So, oh, of course. Well, he's one of the best players in football. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Andre Dillard was was deemed dominant in camp, and I think that that's there's probably something to that just for how athletic he was or is. But the injuries start piling up. They have Jason Peters, but then what do you do about the guards? And I just I couldn't do it. So Dallas wins the NFC East, in my opinion, by default. I like that they kept Kellen Moore. People around Dallas really high on him so the fact that there's going to be some continuity with the offense there and then i think dak prescott is really freaking good and so cd lamb i love my my favorite story of the offseason was <laughs> michael Irvin comparing cd lamb going to the cowboys to kevin durant joining the warriors um which we'll, we'll put a pin in that we're gonna put a pin in that but uh <laughs> kevin durant my new neighbor he is yeah he's right down the street have you seen him yeah, there was a, you didn't see the video of him playing catch. He was throwing the old, not the pick, he was, he was playing baseball. Who says baseball isn't back? Kevin Durant was playing catch with a glove and the whole deal on the beach. And there was a video of it that went out. And I just saw dudes walking up to him because it's Kevin Durant. Like, that's yeah, a big yeah, deal. Yeah. It, isn't, it isn't Kyle Kuzma. It's yeah. Kevin Durant. And so guys are trying to do the, how do I approach him and how can I be yeah. cool about it? Durant is is more normal than uh, than another group of guys at that level like he just is i mean everybody has their stuff right but he's he's like more normal but yeah i'm not gonna go there's a guy in the area that was like hey do you know him i go no i don't he goes he's your neighbor now and i go okay there's a lot of neighbors here it's a bunch of tight-knit group it's a very small community he goes well we gotta head over there like to do what (laughs) to do what what are we gonna do do you feel that in that community that people are more okay with just like approaching random celebrities because it's the beach and everybody's just vibing. Yeah, I think it's a big time protecting the vibe. And I think people are just used to it. People are just used to it. They just... Because like I somebody, feel like when, when there's a celebrity in Los, in like Los Angeles proper or at West Hollywood or Hollywood, yeah. people just like keep their distance. It, it's cool to not say anything. It's cool. That's right, right. That's the difference with LA is it's cool. New York, I think people don't care. Boston, you actually kind of mo- get mobbed. Because I feel like the Boston yeah. guy likes to say, <laughs> George, you remember that night we were hanging out with Jason yeah. Patrick? Yeah. Remember him from Sleepers? <laughs> yeah. He's a fucking good shit. I'm kind of surprised his career and it kind of, it kind of like, <laughs> it hit a brick wall there for a bit. But yeah, he was at the, uh, where was he at? Where He was at the Met. Was he at the Met? Yeah. Jason Patrick Sleepers. Damon was in that. That was fucking good. It was a creepy movie though. Kevin Bacon, huh? What a widow. I once so, heard a story. I once heard a secondhand story. It's Joe Flacco told somebody this. It's the Ravens. He basically well, then, so he, then I already love it. Flacco was a huge tipper. And the per, I think it was Flacco and some of the other Ravens were explaining to this guy that essentially everybody who meets someone like a Joe Flacco or Ray Lewis or an Ed Reed, they're going to be around him for five seconds. And they're going to come up with a story. And it's either going to be he was the greatest guy in the world or he was just a huge jerk. And yep. it is so easy to be the greatest guy in the world in that story. Just tip 40% or ask somebody what their name is or pat him on the back or call him killer or whatever. And, you know, just, hey, champ, what's going on? It's so easy to be, ha- be a good celebrity interaction for those guys. And I think that some of them are just really, really good at, at doing the five-second I'm a great guy thing. Last year, I was at the Super Bowl, and uh, that's not the brag, but I was cool. in the, uh, that's my, my job, yeah. And I was in, uh, 
in the lobby of the hotel and there's this guy walking around and he's with his kid and he's saying bye to the staff. And I look and it's, it's Conor McGregor. And I've never seen this. And it's funny because I heard Mike Tyson talk about this on the Rogan show last year, two years ago, whenever he was on it, where when it, wherever he is, people Joe sprint. Rogan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and wherever he is, people sprint whatever they're doing to go meet him, right? And so I saw that with McGregor. There's a Starbucks. It was in the Marriott Marquis lobby. There's a Starbucks. And everyone just left the Starbucks line, including, I believe, some Starbucks employees to go meet Conor McGregor. So he gets mobbed at the door. And I'm kind of standing there just to see what's going on. And he takes a couple of photos. And then he looks at me. And he kind of gives me a, come on, let's do this. Look. And I said, oh, no, 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 I don't want a photo because I'm a journalist. And he just walks up to me and he puts his arm on my shoulder and says, you're a good man. And then just left. <laughs> but that's your moment. There's your five seconds and you'll tell. That's it. You'll tell your friends, your kids, your grandkids. Let me tell you about the time I met Conor McGregor. Let me t- it won't be the time I met him. Let me tell you about the time McGregor and I went to the Super Bowl together in Miami. Yeah, we spent a week. Yeah, we went. Actually, I was, you know, we, uh, we, drove, to Char- we drove to Charleston after that. I spent the week together. It was great. It was really good. He said I was a good man. And now I'll text him later and we'll talk about it. <laughs> so what the hell the hell did this start? Oh, yeah. Manhattan Kevin Beach. Durant. Oh, Kevin no, Durant. It, it started with CeeDee Lamb going to the, uh, the it Cowboys. Did. It did. I love it. It's my favorite segment. I may actually put this, I may re-edit the entire interview, put this at the top. Um, I've already kept right, you, you longer than I thought you wanted, I would. No, you wanted a Super Bowl pick. I'm going pure chalk. I'm going Ravens over Niners. Ravens over Niners. Okay. I'm going to go Chiefs over Saints. Is it the same chalky type thing that you just don't think anyone can can make many leaps this year? I'm just that in love with Mahomes and the Chiefs. I mean, I got shit for saying that I thought that there's a real chance that the Saints might just be like a nine or ten win team and still make the playoffs. I just, by the I way, that also um, is something. I was looking at a simulation the other day where they did every game, and I felt like, so wait a minute, twenty teams are nine and seven. Does that mean the simulation was too big? Like what happened here? Yeah. Uh, but you're right. Every outcome, the first, the week one outcome, it's going to be Monday of like. You know, the Chiefs put up 40 or whatever. Maybe it's not the yeah. Chiefs putting up 40, but there could be some kind of game. And, and I just love what you said at the beginning. You're like, Lamar Jackson, oh, tackling's going to be a problem this year. Like, no one can tackle him now. No one can tackle him now. Okay, last thought, though, because I got to let you go. You had Jeff Fisher on. Again, check out Slow News Day. He was talking pets with you, and he said something very philosophical. I don't know if he came up with this on his own, but it's apparently going to be his now. Scholars will argue Fisher was the first to say say this, or better, to have said this. I was watching Succession the other day. You watch Succession, yeah, right? I do. I was, watch, I was watching the scene again where Greg is at the hearing, and they were like, are you Greg? Whatever. He's like, yep, yep. And you work for, you know, whatever. And he's like, so it shall be said. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? Yes. <laughs> and the senator's like, what? He goes, if it is, then so it shall be. So, yeah. And they're like, yes. are you okay? It's like, I just, God, Greg is so great. He's just so great. He's amazing. He's great. Okay. Have so you seen, speaking, have you seen his, his uh, quarantine music videos? No, but I now, now, all right. I know what I'm doing this Friday. Yeah. <laughs> it's all I'm going to check this out. 
<laughs> what exactly are Greg's sprinkles? Um, Fisher said that when you buy a dog, or was this a pets in general? It doesn't matter. It doesn't I, matter. I, I asked about pup, puppies and dogs. Right. He said, just remember, you're acquiring a memory. Wow. Wow. That, that, yeah. I, I, I didn't, I remember him saying that, but I didn't see it as profound until just now. Am wow. I wrong? No, I, I, Fisher is correct. I mean, it is, it is profound. You are acquiring a memory. I, I'm not a big pets guy. Are you? I don't like to, um, I'm, I'm fine talking about taxes and local taxes publicly, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not great about pets. I like to keep that private. <laughs> I have, uh, I've never acquired a memory. I've, uh, I've had, I had this like rep reptile thing. It wasn't even, um, it was pretty stupid. I had a nice run my senior year of college where I was hitting a lot of games. And so I just started buying stuff left and right. It was weird. Cause you know, I, for the most part, hadn't had any money and I had a really good run and I bought a, um, terrarium. I think that's what you call it. Kyle, we get it on this. I want to make sure I get this right. Yeah. Terrarium. So it had a waterfall in the corner that kind of went over this pre-tracked waterfall thing into these stones and it had, you know, little moss that I put in there and then it was into like a little, a water deal. So it wasn't a full aquarium. It was a terrarium hybrid and we had fish, we had newts, we had a coconut crab in there. By the way, the coconut crab looks so great at the store. It dies immediately and then i had a snake in there that escaped and then we found it i think three months later just dried and dead in a yeah. hallway so that wasn't a good run for that snake but yeah uh those are that's really the only i do i say this about dogs and cats if i say like yeah i don't really want a dog like oh you're a cat person be like no you know what i really don't want to do is have something that i have to take care of yeah it's that simple i'm doing the dog a favor i'm I'm hooking the dog up by not buying it. And especially when I'm traveling all the time to then be like, Hey, here's the kennel. So I wouldn't do that. I get to the that. Dog. Yeah, I get that. I You're doing the dog a solid. You, yeah. don't, you don't have time. I'm no one's more pro dog than me. I won't get one because that's how great I, I think dogs are. Think about the memories you haven't acquired though, is all I'll say about that. That's going to be a song. That sounds like an Elliot Smith jam or something. Jeff Fisher. Uh, the whole thing, I recommend it listening to it, just the Jeff Fisher part. He was just very good on every, like the Steve McNair stuff. Did, did you hear the part? Steve McNair would only watch Gunsmoke and Andy Griffith, like my dad. That's I mean, crazy. Just, I, I love the TV viewing habits of guys. Like when I met Andrew Luck at Stanford, like, yeah. is it true you don't have it? Like he was stuck. Um, He was stuck with us, basically. And he was still a quarterback at Stanford. That's why he was there. And we got a yeah. chance to interview him. And I was like, what's the story with you and no TV? He's like, yeah, I have, I have, this, I didn't have a phone forever. I finally had to get one. I don't have a cool phone. And he's like, and I watch, um, the office at, at, was it Griff Whalen? He's like, I watch, I watch the office at his place. He's like, that, that's it. But then I was reading about Brennan, the kid for LSU that's taken over for Burrow. He has never been to a movie. He's never been to a movie. All right. Is that a choice or is that just like a, he never got around to it? It's like us with dogs. He just doesn't, that's just, he likes the idea of movies, but doesn't have time. I don't know if it's even that they're saying he just can't sit still. Like he's never been able to sit down 
like he doesn't watch any TV shows and he doesn't and he spends all of his time outdoors because there's a real Dude, there's a could real you imagine in like 10 years when he finally sits down to watch like Jurassic Park and he's just like oh my god Star Wars is this real <laughs> no he better not start <laughs> just, with Inception because then he's just gonna go what is this what luck luck told me he will not watch Game of Thrones until the books are done that's another level. Luck also invited somebody that we know to a to watch a game, and he thought it was like NBC in the morning, and he was like, "Nah." And Luck was like, "All right, cool." And then Luck came back, and he was like, "Oh, you missed a hell of a game." And he flew there to go see it. He was inviting somebody to jump on a private jet to oh go. Oh my god! Yeah, and the guy was like, "What?" I don't know. I don't even. I'm not even story, sure if that story's true. But definitely aggregate it. Okay, I've heard, um, I've heard there, there's some legendary Andrew Luck stories. We can do this another episode. But there, he is just like anyone who's kind of come in contact with him has a legendary story. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what um, I hear all the time on this. I feel like we yeah. we definitely ended up going a little slower at the end of this podcast than we wanted to. But that's all right. Uh, what do you have? What do you have this week? And then coming up next week, because we can re recap the whole first season. So promo all the Kevin Clark stuff for me, because I'm not yeah. going to do his Ring Ring NFL show Sunday. We have Warren Sharp, who's joined the team. Uh, he and I so he's every yesterday. week with you? He's not every week with me. He's every week with okay. Joe House. Uh, okay. They're going to talk yeah, about yeah. gambling. We're going to have Chris Vernon as well. Uh, Ryan Shazier has joined the team. Uh, him and Cole That's Wright right. will have a Tuesday player show that I think is going to be really, really cool to get Ryan Shazier's player perspective is awesome. Never um, a guy like Cole Wright, who, who I've had a lot of respect for at the NFL Network and now with the Cubs. Um, I, I think that's going to be awesome. And uh, yeah, Nora and I will be with you every Sunday. And then on Thursday, I'll also have a show. Um, this week on the Ringer, NF uh, Ringer NFL page on the website, uh, column off of my Kevin Colbert interview. Um, I, I have a Browns thing uh, running on Friday and uh, had a little thing on Deshaun and Mahomes running on Thursday. So a ton of stuff. Uh, slow news day. I uh, believe we have Joe Buck next week. So get excited. Boom, Joe Buck. All right, thank you, Kevin. Bobby Marks is going to give us the full details on all the different money options for Giannis and what he could do this summer, do next summer, what's the cap going to be, different options, shorter extensions. I just want everyone to understand it. I want to understand it better, so that's why we're doing it. But first, Mack Weldon. This stuff's great. Makes the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. Their mission is to make sure that all your basics and beyond are smartly designed with premium fabrics and shopping for them is easy and convenient. Um, I... Love these long sleeve deals that they have. You can work out in them. You can you could go out in them, maybe not in the same day. You could be walking down the street, be like, hey, are you working out? No, I'm going out. Hey, makes sense. That looks like Mack Weldon. Mack Weldon even offers a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor. They want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can keep it and they'll still refund you. No questions asked. All Mack Weldon products are great for working out going to work, going on dates, and just everyday life. So maybe the life advice people who are just having a hard time with it, get yourself a couple long-sleeve Mack Weldons. The folks at Mack Weldon have even created their own totally free loyalty program called Weldon Blue. Level 1 gets you free shipping for life, and once you reach level 2 by spending $200, Mack Weldon will start giving you 20% off every order for the next year. That's incredible. Do you want 20% off a long-sleeve shirt right now that's going to make you look good because of the cut? All right, here's how you're going to do it. 
Go to MacWeldon.com forward slash Ryan Rosillo. Enter the promo code Ryan Rosillo, R-Y-E-N-R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O. That's MacWeldon.com forward slash Ryan Rosillo. And the promo code Ryan Rosillo for 20% off your first order. Bobby, all right, let's uh, let's have some fun here. Giannis, we know what he's eligible for. We also know the projections of what he's eligible for may have changed now because we don't know what the projections are. So I think we need to do a couple things. Give us all the Giannis options with the money. And then let's talk a little bit about how it plays out when you're another team even trying to kick the tires on somebody like Giannis. So let's start first yeah. with his money options, what he can do this offseason or not do. Yeah, so we're, we're basing it, Ryan, off a, off a 109 cap, and that's basically where we are right now. It's, it's with, the, with all the money that's being lost here, uh, the likelihood is that we could see the cap stay flat for the next two years. So on a 109 cap, um, his supermax is five years, 221 million. Okay. The first year starts in 2021, 22. He's still under his rookie contract right now, uh, compared extension, to another right. team yeah, on his extension compared to another team that has cap space, let's say, um, Miami in the summer of 2021, the offer would be four years, $140 million. So you're looking at an, an $80 million, uh, $80 million difference between what Milwaukee can offer him with the five years compared to what a team with cap space um, can offer him with, with Milwaukee, it, it's all or nothing, right? So it can only, it has to be five years. So if you're Giannis, it's not, you know what, I want to do 35% of the cap and it's going to be a three-year deal. It's got to be a five-year, uh, a five-year contract. So that's, um, that's where you are looking at the options where, why, why the difference is because he's hit the supermax criteria, 35% of the cap signing with another team is for 30% of the cap. Here's the interesting part is that this summer he's only has seven years of service. Okay. So we had the NBA breaks it down. There's three different criteria. He will not hit that 10 year service mark until the summer of 2023. So there is some, there's some leeway now between now in you know two or three years from now, but uh, eighty million dollar difference between what Milwaukee can offer compared to what he can go out and and get from another team. Okay, so let's review a couple things there. The cap, as you say, the soft cap is one hundred nine million for this season. The projections were that we could be in the mid teens to maybe one twenty five, one twenty six in two years under the normal growth of the league. Those are some of the early projections. And now with the uncertainty yeah, of the pandemic, yep, one twenty five. Okay, it's two years from now, right? Okay, so. Now we go, it's at 109. How come they're losing money and it's staying flat? It's staying flat because they don't want it to go down and then dip back up, yeah. right? So we don't want another Kevin Durant thing is essentially what the league is hoping to do by keeping it flat, even though you could argue the cap should be lower based on the CBA split, correct? That's correct. They do not want another Kevin Durant situation. But here's the, here's the catch, though. If you leave the, the number at an artificial a number for two years, right, for 109 and 109, now, what happens in, in, in the summer of 2023 when revenue stabilized? So you've got to be careful that we don't see it shoot from 109 to 125 again. And that's where it would hurt Milwaukee because if you're Giannis, right, I'm going to go maybe a two-year deal, two-year deal with a player option, and then I get my years of service back to 10. And then the Supermax basically goes out the window, and then you can sign for that 35% number with Milwaukee, with another team, and you're going to earn back basically kind of what you left on the table here. Right. Okay. So now 
as you said, the only thing he can do this summer is the five years, but he could just play it out, become just straight free agent in 2021, and then he can do the LeBron deals or the Durant deals where it's the one-and-ones, or like we just had with Kawhi and Paul George where they were two-and-ones. So he could do that with Milwaukee or do it with anyone else to get to the 10, the 10 years and the 35% of the cap that you were talking about after the 10 years, correct? Yeah, he could do that. And, I, and if I was his agent, uh, Alex Retz is from Octagon, that's what I would recommend. I wouldn't recommend committing right now uh, when free agency starts to sign that five-year. Yeah, I know it's a lot of money. It's $220 million. Uh, I would play out the year. Let's see where this roster is in 2021 and go from there. I think people would say, well, wait a minute. Let's Let's think about the injury factor. But Ryan, you've seen, I mean, Kevin Durant got a max contract coming off and, and uh, an Achilles. Clay got a max contract coming off an ACL. There is always a market for franchise players with even with an injury. And I do not put, you know, a guy like DeMarcus Cousins in that situation there. No, I mean, you're perfectly right on this one. I mean, Paul George got maxed after his leg broke in the stanchion. Um, you know, Kawhi Leonard, people think, is going to be hurt the rest of his life. And if you give him a 10-year max, he would get a 10-year max. So uh, that's just the way it works. And, and I agree. Like, it's not about injuries and the players to figure that out. The other thing, do you think the unintended consequence of this was like, all right, super max, some of this Derrick Rose rules and this stuff, let's, let's curtail player movement. And yet the money's become so insane. And I always think it's something to point out. Like, if you look at the $80 million difference on the five-year extension versus the four-year, but then you add the fifth year with the new team, it's not yeah. that far off. It's right. really five years for five years. That the money's become so insane with the spike in the cap that all the rules they put in place to, to limit player movement is, is had zero impact, if, if not the other way around, that the money is so much that guys are like, who cares? I can just go wherever I want now. Well, I think it's had two consequences. I think it's made... Um teams um you know lukewarm as far as committing this type of money to guys you know i think certainly we saw it in sacramento with marcus cousins that vlade was not committing supermax money to um with with the marcus and then eventually makes you trade the player um and then the other thing is that uh, players have figured it out where they know that where they are with age that there's always going to be i, I always say that another crack at the apple right so if you're Giannis, who's 25 right now and three years from now, he's still going to be in the prime of his year career where he can earn back that money. And you're right. We look at 140 versus two, uh, uh, 220, and but we don't take into account that fifth year where he'll get that back. I mean, even we projected out that the money will actually even itself out by doing that, that short-term contract. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I think it was so different back in the day, and, and you know this as well as anyone, when it was the seven-year max, when it was twelve percent, it was twelve point five percent raises annually. That like, that money felt different because it was like, oh, I'm going to make seventy-eight as opposed to fifty-five or something. That that for what, however the math works, and I know people listening, yeah. people are just rolling their eyes, but that felt like it was so different because of the percentages. But now, when you're going out ah, two twenty, one eighty, whatever, bah, you know, I'll figure it out. It just doesn't seem to have the same kind of impact, even though it's actually a larger dollar amount. Well, you're right. I mean, there was a trend. I mean, if you go back and study the late 90s, right, like there was max contracts coming off the board. I mean, even in New Jersey with Keith Van Horn and Marbury and Kerry Kittles, like I think Jason Williams, I think we signed four max guys within a two year window. Right. Like and like there was so you like your core. That's why. 
Uh, yeah, we got them. <laughs> no, but back then, and, back then the rule was like, who takes the most shots on this team? All right, this guy. Here's your seventy million. Like, here's your max. That's right. The rule became well, the, it wasn't max player. It was who's the best player that doesn't have a max deal on our team. Well, and especially when you had David Falk back then controlling the market, like, hey, you want Steph Marbury? It's going to cost you seventy million for Kerry Kittles or a max contract for Keith Van Horn. That's that's just kind of how the business worked back then. You know what? Can I just I, I didn't prep you on this. I know you don't care, but I'm always amazed how many times I hear stories about agents doing this where the deal for this player is this, because this is the most yeah. you can pay him. But to actually make that work, like you got to take care of this other guy. Are the players, I guess back then, I don't know. Like I'm not going to be naive enough to think that it doesn't happen now. But do the players understand this over the years, how often the agent, it feels like it's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You're just going to pay my guy, but I want to make sure you pay my other guy. So he's using one of his clients to get his other client hooked up. I think the player is probably just worried about his bottom line as far as what his number is, as far as not what the other consequences are. But yeah, I mean, like we would do contracts with agents and be like, all right, we're going to see this is the deal. But, you know, I, I need two summer league guys, right? Like you're going to have to take uh, John Smith and, you know, Joe Smith as summer league two Smith players. Brothers. Like, all right, I like those guys. Bonus or uh, hey, I need three. Um, I need three. Yeah, I got to bring three of my guys in for draft visits. Yeah, done deal. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. It happens. I I had a GM tell me a story a couple of years ago where he had two guys that were going to get close to max money. And they weren't max players, but it just it's what was going to happen. You know, they were younger. If they were free agents or restricted, they were going to get offered that kind of money and they were going to have to match it anyway. So the agent essentially was like, get it over. And the GM didn't want to do it, but he knew he kind of had to. And basically the agent was like, look, just give me the total and I'll split it up between the two guys. So yeah, the, the Morris agent twins. was telling. Yeah, it's the Morris. That's happened in Phoenix with the Morris twins. I wasn't even using the Morris twins one. Yeah. The Morris twins one, people have always felt was dirty because the Morris twins agreed to that because they were told they were going to stay together, and that's why they were so upset. So even though there's some Morris stuff from time to time that I don't love, I took their side on that one. Yeah. If you want to expand on that one, go ahead. No, no. I mean, I think what, where where it gets dicey is basically where when you have two when you have an agent who has the same player. I mean, a good example is you know Joe Harris and Doug McDermott a couple of years ago, and and you have a team like Indiana who says, "Hey, this is this is what we're going to offer," you know, and first come first serve, right? Like whoever calls first, you know, is going to get that offer. And McDermott, um, you know, I think he he got, he agreed to that deal, and and Joe wound up going back to Brooklyn. I think that's where it's hard for an agent when you have two, the same two players who are, you know, in one team competing for that guy. I know that's tough. You'd have to get on a FaceTime with both guys and be like, all right, who wants to say yes first? So you don't feel like you're doing anything wrong. Okay. Let's uh, let's do this then. Cause maybe a little story time here as well, but you're working in a front office. Yeah. You know, you don't want to have to like, you have to call about Giannis. What are the unwritten rules? What is the understanding among thieves here when it comes to <laughs> trying to figure out, how you call John Horse with the Bucks and go, look, I mean, especially with some of these rosters that have nothing that's enticing whatsoever, but you also have a job to do. How does it really work? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Bob Myers is not calling John Horst over the weekend about Giannis. He isn't. Okay. <laughs> he is not. That is, uh, and if he is, shame on him. No I mean, kidding. That is that's the, looked that out upon. The, uh, that's the, you know, especially for, especially for a guy like Giannis, franchise level player, has not given any inclination that he wants out, right? I mean, I think it's a little bit 
different maybe if you were AD, the AD situation in New Orleans where it was pretty, it was well known. Um, but for Giannis, um, I, I guess we can call them the Giannis rules. You are not calling to see what his availability is. I think that, I think it's offensive to do that. Um, I think if, if it, if it's anything, it would be John Horst making the phone calls. And I don't, I think knowing John, when you have this type of player, you're not going to do that, but yeah, you, you let this play out. Um, does that change, um, you know, during the season and they get off to a slow start maybe, but for right now, um, I don't see there's blood in the water <laughs> for you to go up and, and make that phone call. Like, you know, we, we, I've had that situation bef- before where in New Jersey or Brooklyn, um, you know, with, uh, with Darren Williams, who, um, you know, we basically had just committed to a max contract, I think five for 99 and didn't pl- get off the a, a good start and we had built a team around him and then you know like teams call for him right like um you know like there was a story with uh, and I, I don't want to throw griff under the bus here but I, I love david griffin where you know griff would call and be like hey is uh you know, darren williams available i'm like griff like we're 10 and 10 and we're 500 like you know like is Kyrie? you know do you want to flip Kyrie? you know do we want to do that type of deal like and um so i think you have to make calls on certain guys but in a case of like Giannis, man yeah i would not um i don't see anybody doing i don't i don't see anybody, anybody? doing that and Ooh, i don't know man uh, I, well, I, I bet this, you there's well, you know well, hey you know this league better than you know you know this league well there's somebody out there who's going to be like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to bust John Horst balls this weekend. Like, what do you think? Yeah, you know, is he going to commit? Would you ever put him on the marketplace here? And um, I know one John, guy. Kind of, I know, I know one guy for sure. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not now. Hinky would have. Hinky would have already written a 12-page manifesto on why why it was actually a good deal for Milwaukee. Um, but. I, look, the the Myers thing is interesting because you could say, well, wait a minute, you have the second pick in the draft. Like you have, eventually, yeah. the call has to be like a kick the tires. But you would probably, if you were Myers, out of respect to Horst, if you wanted to do it that way. And again, you know better than I do, but I, I would think at some point, at least, has to come up as a conversation. You have somebody under Myers call yeah. someone underneath Horst. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't I know mean, Horst that, that well. That's so. usually that's usually how it goes too, is that like, you know, in, in, in Brooklyn and New Jersey, like I had a handful of teams, uh, Frank Zanin had a handful of teams and basically we were kind of the filter to Billy, Billy King. And kind of like, we kind of laid out the groundwork for him and said like, this is kind of what we're hearing. This is what teams will do. I, I think Ryan, when you get closer to the draft, whenever this is going to be, and then I guess in maybe mid November now that you, you know, you, you start to have that, you know, cursory calls where you're just saying like, Hey, we've got number two, this is what we're thinking of doing. Um, is there anybody that, you know, you, you just kind of, you, you probably make that call, but I don't think it's happening in, <laughs> in the second week of September right now. Did you ever have to make a call on somebody? Did Billy make you or would it be Rod or over the years? Not, 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 not in the honest level. No, no. never in the, um, never in that <laughs> stratosphere here. Um, you know, you go through these, you know, you go through the, the um, exercise of doing these, you know, three and four team type trades in your mind and you put them on the board and then you look at it. It's like, sometimes it's fantasy GM, right? And you're like, I'm not making a, like, like who's going to, who's going to get the short end of the stick. I'm not calling that team <laughs> on this one. And, um, but never, never in that Giannis situation. All right, Bobby, you're the best. Thanks a lot.
see Bobby Mark's work on ESPN, ESPN.com, and we will uh, get you his handle out there as well. Thanks. Thanks, Ryan. Bespoke Post checking in. As we settle into this new normal version of summer, Bespoke Post is here with a customized box of awesome collections for guys guaranteed to upgrade your life. Bespoke Post sends guys the best stuff every month, no matter what you're into. Box of Awesome has you covered from style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear. Box of Awesome has carefully built collections for every part of your life. To get started, you take the quits at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up and you can skip a month or cancel anytime. Each box costs only 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. So if you were, say it was the end of the world and you had your box of awesome and you had to trade it for goods and wares, you would already be up in the game. All right. So that book, The Road, Cormac McCarthy, box of awesome, you're going to have I, you know, you may not even want to trade any of your stuff, but I'm just saying you're already ahead of the game. Um, I grabbed one of those trays for your watch, and I'm just saying, if you have like a key tray or a little money tray on the dresser in your bedroom or something in the entryway, mudrooms are out. I read an article on that recently. I don't know if people are talking about that enough, but mudrooms seem to not be as big of a deal in modern architecture. Maybe because there's just less mud outside. That could be an issue. Maybe paved roads have, have led to us saying, hey, you know what we probably don't need is a ton of mud rooms. But if you have something um, that you can put little little suede, little tray there, people are going to be saying, this guy's ready to start settling down and having a family. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code RUSSILLO, R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O, at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com. Code RUSSILLO for 20% off your first box. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. All right, Life Advice, a weekly uh, deal here, but it's been, it's been bi-weekly lately. Um, LifeAdviceRR at gmail.com. This guy's checking in to give somebody else advice. That was our Nashville guy that basically was telling us how awesome he was, but he was upset that his girlfriend wasn't an 11, right. even though she was rich. Um, I'm, I'm being a little sarcastic there because I did like that guy's self-awareness that he was admitting these things. And I said, I think, hey, you're going to be cheating on her. Yeah. yeah, so we have another guy. I don't always love doing this, but Kyle knows how to pick them, you know? So Kyle was kind of like, look, if another guy wants to chime in with some advice that I like, I don't know. Maybe that means Kyle doesn't like my advice. And Kyle's like, this guy's advice is better. We have gotten a few of those. I'll admit, hey, this advice is better than the stuff you gave out. I'm not telling you I'm perfect here. I'm just telling you that I'm the I'm the guy with the show. So I don't know. I don't know what to do there. A lot of lot of requests about finances, a ton of financial stuff. I'm trying to figure out the best way to do it because I don't want to present myself as somebody that has it down because I don't. I mean, I'm still going to have financial mistakes that I've made, but maybe I'll just go through the financial mistakes I've made and the things that have actually worked out. But I think everybody is different risk assessment. What are you willing to lose? You know, how aggressive do you want to be? I mean, usually younger, that's why our insurance premiums are so much higher when we're younger. We get our license because we're just a bunch of guys running around in testosterone. I think guys invest that way as well. I mean, for me to just say, Hey, just make sure you do the 401k. If it's a matching 401k, cause you're losing money. I mean, that's an absolute basic one. But then I was reading about it the other day and some guy was trying to say like 401ks are stupid. So I was like, yeah, this is just like sports. Perfect. So let's do that. <laughs> um, okay. So let's, uh, let's make these quicker. Cause Kyle has some stuff to do. 
So I'm not going to use this guy's name. It goes, I felt inclined to write in and offer my advice to the Nashville guy on yesterday. That's Tuesday's pod. First off, 32. So I know I don't have the answers, but I just got divorced. So I feel like some good experience here. All right. Our stats are very similar. Not the number, uh, not the consensus number one pick at a bar, but certainly a first rounder. I was a four-year starter <laughs> at corner. You at a solid D2 program. Eh. All right. Oh, yeah. And pretty much maintain my physique minus a few pounds. I do not make six figures, but I am doing all right. I'm just kidding by the D2 thing. You played. Most of us never had the chance right. uh, or not good enough. So, yeah, absolutely. Shout out. Shout out to the real ones. My ex-wife and I finalized our divorce in April. She was basically my dream girl in looks. Tall, blonde, long legs, athletic. No guy would turn her down. I ended up overlooking a lot of red flags because of it. She wasn't a bad person, but I think you sometimes overlook certain personality traits, anticipating you can change people. You can't. I say this because you really can't expect to have a great lifelong relationship with a level of attractiveness being the main contribution. So our man is saying attractiveness cannot be number one. My advice, you will 100% cheat on this girl if you haven't done so already in a roundabout way. I agree with that. Meaning uh, you DM some IG model drunk one night when you were out with the boys just shooting your shot. Trust me, I've been there. Um, you need to realize that if you have something really good now, then the outside noise doesn't matter. You spent two years with this girl already. Uh, the 10 with a huge rack at a hotel bar in Austin on a work trip isn't going to give a shit about you the way your current girl does. Get off Instagram for a little or any other social media where there are incredibly attractive females at every click that you'll never meet. Side note on this, my man is on fire. With Tell me about Austin, so dude. Yeah. Uh, which bar? Um, which hotel? But I... I got to tell you, he's he's right about that because you will trick yourself into thinking that just because like, oh, this. do you know how many DMs are being slid into with some of these girls? Like you can, my buddies have no clue. They'll be like, hey, you could just DM that girl right now, can't you? I'd be like, no, I can't. I'm I'm 100. Like, yeah, I think I have some good NBA takes. But are you kidding me? You know what? You know what kind of fish are out there right now? They're not over 40. You know, they're playing on Sunday. I can't just DM that person. Are you nuts? Like, yeah, but you have a blue check. The blue check doesn't mean that every smoke show on Instagram just DMs you back. Do you not get that? The guy's like, mm, I don't know. Thought it's that's what I heard. That's I thought it, they're looking at me like I'm the one that doesn't get it. So yes, um, almost every one of these girls isn't going to talk to you. Like almost every single one of them. So there you go. Get off of Instagram. He says. He also throws a. Uh, Lay off the porn, too. We don't know what anybody's habits are, so why don't we just... We're just going to go ahead. But I like what he's doing here. He's doing like a mental cleanse of the mind of, of thinking about different um, partners, I guess. Give yourself some time to focus on her in your relationship, like real time, two, three months. See how you feel. If you still feel like there's something better out there for you, then you aren't really ready and should probably have that conversation. All right, also we're at the age now where a woman is done in the relationship then, uh, excuse me, this is a good point. Also, we are at the age now where when a woman is done in the relationship, then that relationship is done. It's not like college where girls that age are a little more forgiving and probably a little more apt to believe our bullshit so they take us back. That I will disagree with. I think everyone <laughs> actually like, I just did. It's a good point and it sounds really good and there's definitely examples of it, but there's also examples of you can be 30 and somebody will take you back too. All right, just, just saying. All right, love Judge the pot. Judy. Yeah, I those guys that one I those guys are just getting taken back all the time. This was uh God, that was pretty funny. Okay. Um Okay, I got a quick one. I'm gonna do this one and then I, I got a quick just check-in update from New Zealand. So that one's not gonna be any life advice. But all right. This is um this is Justin. 
He goes, all right, spent Labor Day at my brother's house. He and his wife had a new baby about two weeks ago. Baby boy is healthy and doing well. Uh, it's the first time I've gone anywhere other than work, Walmart, or my home since COVID started. It felt really cool to be out and about with people. It made me start thinking about my life as a whole. It hit really hard that even pre-COVID, I don't have friends that I go out with. Ah, oh, man. I would say that I have friends at work. I get along with basically everyone. We joke, talk about news, things in our lives, have solid conversations. However, once I leave the office, the relationship disappears. No messages, no parties, no movies together, or anything like that. I also go to church, and I feel... Uh, about the same with everyone there. I talk with them, and we are friends at the chapel, but past the parking lot, I don't do anything with them. I help run the Super Smash Bros. esports scene in my area. Nice. And even that, while I get along great with everyone, once we were not playing Smash Bros., the friendship ends. Uh, I feel like I'm getting friend-zoned by everyone. So this isn't friend-zoned by a girl. You're getting friend-zoned by your community. Everyone likes me, but once they're not forced to be with me, they no longer care. This leads to my question, how can I get out of my imagined real work friend zone or is this just what adult relationships are like i want to address something that i think you may want to bring up yes i'm a homebody monday to thursday i usually want to go home run errands and i have uh, get ready for work the next day on friday i would love to go out and do fun stuff outside of the house i realize this issue maybe because i don't put in the social work monday through thursday that i don't earn it on the weekends all right so good good observation about yourself there i'm not looking for a romantic thing here i'm just really looking um for friends that care about me any advice you can give me all right. Um, and he says, thanks. And, and the whole deal. Oh, he included an appendix here. 30, 61 to 30, 40 percentile in looks, college graduate, medical school dropout, low five digit income, loves Frisbee golf, very shy when meeting new people, but I open up a lot, I would say after a month. Um, okay. All right. Uh, look, man, it, it definitely, honestly, like this one, this one bums me out because it, it, it it seems that now I look again, I don't know you. I mean, we could do some real simple, get it out of the way. Uh, bookkeeping here. Like maybe you're just, you have no idea that you're not that likable. Okay. I mean, that's, that's a reality of this. Maybe you're not, not super likable and that's why no one likes you, but let's not, let's not do that. Um, let's, let's say I probably should have ended with that, but you know what? Let's, let's build it up a different way. One thing you always have to remind yourself is that as you're wrapped up in your own little world, the, everyone else doesn't really care as much as you think that they do. So there's no active friend zoning you. It's more likely that you haven't made enough of an effort and that's what's happening. I've had to do it at times where I'm like, hey, make sure because I will, especially when I was in Connecticut, man, I would go like two months where I go, oh my God, I haven't done anything except Wake up, ESPN show, work out, cook food, watch games, repeat. And I'd be like, oh, okay, wait a minute. What's the last night you you interacted with somebody? And it was bad. It was really, really bad. But I just kept feeling like, well, I want to be the best at my job, so I'm going to put all this time in. But you got to... You can't do that. You can't be like 100%. 100% in your 20s, fine. Trying to, But even then, I think it's stupid because that's when you should be going out all the time. Um, So you are going to have to make more of an effort. You're going to have to check in a little bit with people and try it, okay? It's essentially like asking a girl out, but you'll be asking friends out, where instead of waiting for this thing, you it, this could be as simple as they think you're a homebody, you admitted to being a homebody, and maybe you're a little shy, as you just said, and maybe they just don't think you're interested. So do this. Over the next couple of weeks, ask somebody at work, hey, are you guys doing anything on Friday? Hey, are you going to watch the Thursday night game? I mean, how hard it is for people to go, we are, but we don't want you to come, man. <laughs> like, nobody's going to do that. And then in that moment, like, I, I, again, I don't know your personality. I don't know if there's there's part of you, maybe it's just being shy, but then you just kind of hang back, observe, 
maybe even Costanza, write a couple observations down that you're going to want to share with the, <laughs> with the party. But you need to be proactive about this. If it's bothering you this much, you're going to send an email here. Be proactive about it and force yourself to ask guys what they're doing. And hopefully it's not a Michael Scott after improv deal where you're like, oh, yeah, it's a private party. We're all going to the same bar. Okay, cool. Um, you're going to have to do that. You can't wait around because this it, it like the likelihood is that it's it's as simple as you've never made the effort, so nobody's going to make the effort for you. And this applies to a lot of stuff, but all these times where you're going, oh, man, this person's going to think this or this person's going to think. No one really can. Like, people have families. People have stuff. People have to go home to whatever their challenges are all the time. Even if they're happy, there's stuff that comes up where you're not going to be the priority as this casual acquaintance at work. So you need to be proactive and be like, hey, are you guys doing anything? And again, again, going out to a bar during all this stuff for a football game is not a possibility. Maybe you invite people over, man. Maybe you invite people. And I know you said low five figures, but maybe you step it up and and you know six foot sub it's not natural light yeah right maybe (laughs) you know maybe you step it up a little bit with with some of the uh i don't know apps uh that didn't really come i was looking for something better there but it didn't happen so yeah you you've got to decide you can't just sit back and wait for everybody to invite you to their thing that's all you got to be more proactive about it all right uh one last thing it's it's not even a life advice this is from Jake. He goes, guys, I uh, live in New Zealand, big NBA fan for a long time, po- a podcast listener. Problem with the whole Steven Adams thing is basketball is a relatively minor sport in this country, and everybody just assumes he's a massive star, not a decent overpaid role player. The media will always jump on anything Steven Adams related because he's the only NBA player we have, considering it blasphemy. Uh, when he's criticized, you're not the only one this has happened to. Personally, I think he played like shit as well. He's never been a player. You dump the ball and you get a basket. I just quiet on both ends of the floor. Um, it'll be headline news again if he gets traded as part of a potential rebuild, blah, 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 blah. If you're in, oh, anyway, he's saying I'm still welcome in New Zealand. So that's, that's what I, thank you, New Zealand. Cause it's one of the three places it's in my top three of places I would like to go. Um, but I don't think they're accepting our applications right now. 